1: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Wrestleomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand from Buffalo, New York, home of the Buffalo Bills. We're going to the AFC Championship game for the first time since 1994. Today is Sunday, January 17th, 2020, and today on the program, there's WrestleMania news. There will be fans in attendance in Tampa this April, April 10th and 11th, and just about a year ago, you may remember that former co-presidents George Berrios and Michelle Wilson, they have resurfaced this week, introducing their very own investment firm, still working together, current WWE CFO, Christina Salen, who essentially took over many of the duties that George Berrios had had an interview this week at the virtual portion at least of the Consumer Electronics Show what else WWE will report 4th quarter earnings on February 4th Thursday, it's a Thursday mark your calendars that is the quarterly WrestleMania holiday we've got wrestling viewership to talk about WWE, India, the Superstar Spectacular more on that and viewership but first. This week in wrestling viewership, covering the five major professional wrestling programs that air on national cable in the United States, WWE Raw, WWE SmackDown, AEW Dynamite, WWE NXT, and Impact Wrestling. This week, starting with Monday, WWE Raw on the USA Network was watched by 1.8 million viewers. About 720,000 of those viewers in the key demo. Uh, Raw ranked number 11 on the day on cable. Uh, Had a hard second to third hour drop. But WWE Raw is uh, still doing better uh, as of this week than it was before the big Legends Night the prior week. Legends Night did a big rating. This rating is down from that rating. But this rating is up from the episodes that happened before Legends Night. Now, on the other hand, all those episodes that happened before Legends Night were in December. And December was going up against NFL's Monday Night Football. And January is always a month where RAW, where WWE programming, does better. With the build-up to Royal Rumble and wrestling fans getting more interested in WWE again. As the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania season approach so not a ton to analyze there there was a hard uh, drop in the third hour for the total audience and there was a hard drop in the, in the second hour and the third hour for the key demo aw and nxt on wednesday went up against another tough night of cable news coverage for cnn especially cnn sweeping the top 12 but cnn fox news fox news not up there as much but msnbc up there as well Uh, on a night where the president was impeached for the second time. But uh, AEW and NXT uh, may be taking a a hit because of that. But anyway, AEW doing a 762,000 viewer audience with about 390,000 of those in the key demo. So that's about half in the key demo. Ranked only 31st on the night against, again, a lot of other highly viewed cable news programming NXT off the top 50 down at number 70 551,000 viewers that is I believe let's check the spreadsheet I think that is their lowest rating since since March 18th their lowest total audience since March 18th 2020 uh, key demo though was not that far out of the norm a 0.14 rating in the demo which is equivalent to about 180,000 viewers That is uh, in the neighborhood of what they'd been doing uh, earlier in the month and in December. So uh, is AEW getting a big jump from the uh, numerous episodes, three episodes actually, that they had more than 900,000 viewers for, not yet. Again, this week against a lot of news viewership. Last week against a lot of news viewership, which was the day that the Capitol building was attacked. And then next week will be the day of the presidential inauguration. So, maybe now the inauguration is during the day, but maybe another highly viewed, probably more highly viewed than it would be otherwise, night of, of cable viewership where we evermore live in this world where what dominates cable, cable especially, but perhaps broadcast as well, uh, are sports, but also and again, this is where more so I mean cable news dominates the cable viewership landscape Uh, impact wrestling on Tuesday. I skipped right over impact wrestling on Tuesday on access was watched by 161,000 viewers. Tough to say how many of those were in the key demo, a 0.05 somewhere, maybe around 60,000 viewers in the key demo. So less than a a majority, uh, less than half. What's 60,000 divided by 160,000 math right here on the air at Russell Long's Radio, sixty divided by one hundred sixty-one is thirty-seven percent. And you compare that to, let's say, what NXT did: uh, one hundred and eighty divided by five five one, so thirty-two percent. So actually, eh, again, I, I I I shouldn't really take that number too seriously for impact, uh, just because it's such a small number. So the sample representing it is very low for one thing, and for another thing, when we're looking at a demo, trying to convert that into viewers. The margin of error, I think, is pretty wide. But anyway, uh, 161,000 viewers for Impact. That's up from the previous week. It's their highest viewership since the week after Kenny Omega made his first appearance. Um, And I was looking into the question this week about whether Impact Wrestling's viewership has improved since Kenny Omega has started to appear on Impact Wrestling Programs. Of course, that first episode had 221,000 viewers. That is the highest at least since uh, the debut episode on, on A- Access. What did the debut episode on Access do? I can look this up quickly. Let's see. The debut episode on Access, oh, I actually don't have it in this sheet, so I have to go all the way to the, to the real raw data. By the way, what I'm, what I'm referencing here is the Wrestling Viewership Spreadsheet 2.0, which all patrons at patreoncom slash have access to, you can view the big spreadsheet right alongside me. Uh, let's see, Impact Wrestling on December 31st, 2019, was viewed by 207 viewers. So that this would be, unless I am mistaken, this would be uh, the the Kenny Omega episode uh, back in on December 8th is the most viewed episode. Of impact on access, but how has that? uh, What? How? How have things gone since then? Has impact received, you know, a really good bump for interacting with AEW and for having Kenny Omega on their TV program? Well, again, 222 on that first Kenny Omega episode, uh, which was higher, obviously, than the episodes that came before it, which did 149, 166, then the 222. uh, Episode followed. But anyway, what I did was I I took the average of the six weeks, ruling out the big episode, the big December 8th episode. Let's take the, uh, actually, this will be five weeks. Take the five weeks before Omega appeared. Take the five weeks after Omega appeared for the first time. Average those and compare them. And I have this, not just in total audience, but across one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine demos. And what do we see? Uh, We see from the five weeks before Kenny Omega compared to the five weeks after Kenny Omega, we see a 3% increase in total viewership. We see a 9% increase in 18 to 49 viewership. Uh, We see a decrease in the female 18 to 49 viewership and an increase of 15% in the male 18 to 49. So female key demo down 13%. Male key demo up, 15 percent, which comes out to an increase of nine percent in the 18 to 49 demographic overall. Most of that, in fact, all of it, is happening in the older half of the key demo. So where we have in the P35 to 49, again, the older half of the key demo, up 17 percent, compared to the lower half, younger half of that key demo, 18 to 34, down, down. 10%. Uh, but, and, and it's not as if competition, So that doesn't look good for an argument that you know, omega and AEW have really helped impact. Um, and it's not as if there's been an increase or much of a change in the competition, at least on cable. I only collected cable here. But there isn't much of a change in the competition of other cable programs on Tuesday night in prime time. In other words, facing access, facing impact, um, if anything, in the key demo, uh, the competition has been lighter in the last five weeks, in the five weeks after Kenny Omega versus the five weeks before Kenny Omega. And total audience is, uh, in terms of the competition, the impact is facing, down 5%. So, so down 13% in the key demo the competition, down 5% overall is the competition. So it's not as if there's been unusually hard competition that impact has been facing which may be offsetting any real increases but there is some some increase here this doesn't look like a huge success for kenny omega Uh, i originally looked at this including the december 8th episode and that december 8th episode is is you know counts for something that was a big episode the most viewed episode that impact has ever had on the network that they're currently on but as far as any lasting impact if you will uh, 3%. That's not much. That's, uh, I don't know if that's meaningful. Uh, But 9% in the key demo, that's, that's a little bit of a bump. But that's not impressive. In other news, WWE, just last night, just Saturday night, while I was picking up food to watch the Bills defeat the Baltimore Ravens, WWE put out this press release from Stanford, Connecticut. WWE today announced upcoming host cities for its annual pop culture extravaganza WrestleMania from 2021 to 2023. Tampa Bay will host WrestleMania 37 presented by Snickers uh, of the Snickers doctrine fame Uh, presented by Snickers, who is usually by the way, the, uh, the official sponsor of WrestleMania has been for a number of years. That will be Saturday, April 10th and Sunday, April 11th, another two day WrestleMania, because you can't get it enough at Raymond James Stadium. More on that in a moment. Then, next year, WrestleMania in 2022 will take place on Sunday, April 3rd, 2022, in Arlington, Texas, at AT&T Stadium. Then, the following year, in 2023, WrestleMania will happen in Englewood, near Los Angeles, on Sunday, April 2nd, 2023, at SoFi Stadium and Hollywood Park. I don't know what the distinction is there between SoFi Stadium and Hollywood Park. But we have quotes here from various politicians, including our our old friend, Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, who said, quote, Florida is excited to welcome back WrestleMania to Tampa in April at Raymond James Stadium. This is not a very uh, Ron DeSantis-like voice. It's got to be like, I don't know, a little bit more whiny and nasally, maybe closer to my own voice. Anyway, oh, here we go. Florida has continued to work with professional sports and entertainment to safely operate while generating revenue and protecting jobs. WrestleMania will bring tens of millions of dollars to the Tampa area, and we look forward to hosting more sporting and entertaining events, entertainment events in Florida this year. End quote. Then we have a quote from the mayor of Tampa, Mayor Jane Castor. She says, quote, The opportunity for Tampa Bay to host WrestleMania in April is in true W." w e fashion the perfect comeback story and marks a clear indication that our beautiful city is poised to bounce back stronger than ever we can't wait to once again showcase all that the all that team tampa has to offer in true w w e fashion i seem to remember a um i seem to remember in the records maybe that david bixenspan uh found uh, public records of course uh that there was some sort of communication between WWE media relations and oh, one of the cities where I think WWE media relations was essentially preparing the quote for the, uh, the member of, uh, of the government, and there was some, some uh, disagreement about the terminology that was to be used. But anyway, I think there's some WWE terminology. Uh, but there's more. Arlington, Texas Mayor Jeff Williams says, we are elated for WrestleMania's return to Arlington Stadiums. Arlington stadiums Arlington's AT&T stadium and look forward to building upon the success from 2016 when more than one hundred and one thousand fans were in attendance for WrestleMania 32 said Arlington mayor Jeff Williams. Um, mm-hmm. So even according to Vince, so let's 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 get this out of the way. Uh, th- so WWE announced one hundred and one seven fans in 2016 in attendance at WrestleMania 32 in AT&T Stadium. Uh, WWE's own key performance indicators indicate that the paid attendance was somewhat lower. Uh, we, we know within a range what it was. Uh, and I emailed the Arlington Police Department who told me that the number of people through the turnstile, so I would read that as the total attendance, the total number of a- attendees in attendance both paid and comped was 80,709. Vince himself said on a later conference call that the 100,000 number included ushers and ticket takers and things of that nature. Uh, I have played the the clip in the past.
0: In addition to that, just a little bit more, Colin WrestleMania, we were proud to set our attendance record of over
1: 100,000, which includes, by the way, uh, ushers and ticket takers and all of that. It wasn't 101000 paid, but nonetheless, it was a record for us. And the mayor of Englewood, James T. Butts Jr., is quoted uh, about the WrestleMania in, was this, 2020, uh, 2023, that will be happening in Englewood. The city of Englewood looks forward to the opportunity to host WrestleMania in 2023 and celebrates the deferral of this year's event to Tampa Bay so they can have their rightful WrestleMania moment. Our time will come, said Englewood Mayor James T. Butts. Yes, he, he said he is quoted. He is quoted. I don't know if he said, but he is quoted as saying rightful WrestleMania moment. Yeah, I would not be surprised if, uh, well, you know, if uh, WWE Media Relations wrote some of these quotes, and but they were approved, probably. Then Vince is quoted uh, on behalf of everyone. At WWE, we thank Governor DeSantis,
0: Mayor Castor,
1: Mayor Williams, and Mayor Butts for their gracious and flexibility—graciousness, I mean. Goddamn, and flexibility. And what was a collaborative effort to bring the next three Russell- WrestleManias to these iconic stadiums in their world-class cities. Uh, the press release adds. In accordance with local partners and government officials, WWE will announce ticket availability and safety protocols for WrestleMania 37. That's this year's WrestleMania in the coming weeks. Information and additional WrestleMania week events is forthcoming. Information. Yeah. Okay. So that certainly sounds like WWE is going to have, I mean, why why do it in the stadium if you're not going to have fans in attendance? So I would expect a limited capacity, uh, number of seats to be sold. Uh, Clearly, there are a number of uh, NFL stadiums around the country that are doing limited capacity, requiring uh, fans who are going to be in attendance to have a COVID test in advance and a number of other safety protocols required. I would imagine something similar will happen for WrestleMania this year. Two days! And as uh, I know, John Alba was discussing this, and he pointed out on Twitter, um, this, you know, doing a two-day WrestleMania with a limited capacity will allow WWE to get closer to what they would get in terms of, of a of a gate of ticket revenue for a WrestleMania. Um, additional WrestleMania week events. Who knows? You can speculate as to what that might mean. Maybe there will be a takeover on a, on a other day at the stadium, but who knows? WrestleMania! Then a, an article from this morning on Sunday in the Dallas Morning News. There are quotes... Uh, from WWE Executive John Sabor. He is the WWE Executive Vice President of Special Events. He is quoted, WWE put on one of the most entertaining shows we've seen, and we." they're talking about the WrestleMania in 2016 in Arlington. And we expect an even bigger extravaganza this time around with WrestleMania 38 at AT&T Stadium. Oh, no, this is not John Sabor. This is Dallas Cowboys Chief Brand Officer Charlotte Jones. Uh, the article in the Dallas Morning News uh, offers the question, will W try to top the attendance of WrestleMania 32 in 2022? Uh, and that's where John Sabor is quoted. He says, we'll absolutely plan to work closely with our partners to build the most robust capacity possible for fans within Dallas and Arlington. And we want the capacity and that net to be thrown as far and wide as reasonable. Uh, he's, also quoted, we want to include as many fans from within North Texas, as well as those who would travel here from throughout the globe. So that's announced as a one-day WrestleMania. The Inglewood WrestleMania is, at this point, announced as a one-day WrestleMania. You think this is this is next year, 2022, in Arlington, in AT&T Stadium. So this will, you know, stands a good chance, I suppose, of being a, a WrestleMania that is attended uh, fully and at capacity for the first time since 2019. And they could, in that WrestleMania, uh, announce a new attendance record for themselves. And, and we'll, we'll see, uh, I would imagine, the key performance indicators uh, that they have reported, at least in the past, where they report average attendances by quarter with and without WrestleMania. You can do the math and get, a as, as I mentioned, a range of what the paid attendance must have been. And in Inglewood, WrestleMania goes... Inglewood, I mean Hollywood. That's in 2023, two years from now. And of course, WrestleMania was supposed to be this year in Inglewood. But that is being deferred two years. And I, I imagine they had some agreements or some, enough motion already in place on Dallas that they didn't feel like they could uh, could put the LA WrestleMania in its place next year. So there you have it. And it probably makes a good Vince McMahon-told story too. Come back with the first big event and shatter the record again. And then on Monday, it was announced in a press release and covered by outlets like Variety. That former WWE co-presidents George Berrios and Michelle Wilson together are uniting forces again to open an investment firm. George Berrios and Michelle Wilson, the executive duo who were forced out as co-presidents last year at WWE, have re-teamed to launch an investment shingle. This is uh, is the, the wording of Variety. An investment shingle based in Westport, Connecticut. Isos Capital Management will focus on investing in a range of media, entertainment, and sports ventures, leveraging the pair's past experience with the pro wrestling giant and blue chip brands, including the NBA and New York Times. That's uh, referring to Michelle Wilson's work history with the NBA and Berrios' history with the New York Times. It goes on. The pair, who are founders and co-CEOs, worked together for 11 years at WWE. Barrios is quoted saying, quote, Global connectivity has unleashed unprecedented disruption in content creation, distribution, and consumption. It's like a poem. It's, and, and anyway, the COVID-19 pandemic has only accelerated these changes and requires a new strategic framework for success. He goes on, against this backdrop, Michelle and I see unique opportunities for growth and value creation across the media, entertainment, and sports ecosystem. That's right. The sports ecosystem lives on in the heart of George Berrios. Wilson is quoted saying, we are a firm built by operators for operators, and we bring proven strategies and innovative thinking to help media, entertainment, and sports companies win in the long term. George and I have worked together for more than a decade, and have demonstrated how to achieve game-changing results in an evolving landscape. Uh, in other news, George Barrios has grown a goatee, evident from his latest promo picture that accompanies uh, this Variety article. Um, so they're starting an investment firm where they're focusing on media and sports and entertainment. Um, it's probably a, uh, a venture that they are best suited for. Is this a product that they are better suited for than WWE? I think their weakness in strategy uh, that they put on WWE is that I think they tried to understand WWE in terms of a general media Sports entertainment property Without fully Accounting for the ways In which pro wrestling Is a really peculiar medium uh, you know, I think George and Michelle They did a lot to up the Professional perception of WWE They allowed the investment Community to see these people Who you know, weren't members of the McMahon family and they were actually Driving fundamental change And they were, uh, you know, they were Strategizing the WWE network. uh, And they were using all the buzzwords like ecosystem, which all of those investors understood. And that's sort of the, uh, the, the, the in language, the neologisms for them. Uh, And they were talking about big data and streaming services and owning their own IP and guaranteed media rights. It, uh, it brought, helped bring WB into being the don't say wrestling media company that, that Vince, I'm sure has always wanted it to be or has always wanted to be something that's other than wrestling. But um, I think George Berrios, uh, he thought WWE could get a lot of value from from selling its data to third parties. Um, I don't think that's paid off or I think he over projected how WWE could be like Facebook in this way. It could be like a big tech company in that, you know, Facebook collects all its data from people and then they sell the data and other Companies do this as well. I think they overprojected the ways in which maybe they thought WWE could be like Netflix and they could uh, sell a, a, a monthly subscription fee and get multiple millions of subscribers, not fully accounting for the ways in which pay-per-view events, which is the core product of the WWE Network, not understanding the ways in which pay-per-view events are price-inelastic and are a hardcore product and there wasn't as big of an uncaptured customer base for pay-per-view events as they hoped, as, as they believed, as evident by the fact that they projected three to four million subscribers. That was their stated goal, but they only captured about a million and a half. So opening an investment firm that's focused on uh, investment opportunities, maybe doing uh, venture capital with uh, new companies, that seems to be, be more in line with the ways that their strategy brains were working when they were working for WWE. Speaking of which, a new interview with CFO, Chief Financial Officer, Christina Salen. So she's taking over the role that George Berrios used to have. Of course, George Berrios was co-president in addition to his role doing the CFO job. Uh, So Berrios originally was just the CFO. And Michelle Wilson was just the chief revenue officer, chief marketing and revenue officer, I think was her title. Uh, so essentially, Nick Khan has taken the president and chief revenue officer role. So basically taking the role that Michelle Wilson had, but also taking the president role. And Christina Salen has taken the, the Barrio CFO role, but does not have the president title. So we have our first long interview with CFO Christina Sale, And I I have no idea if there wasn't a pandemic, uh, would this be something that would have appeared on the W corporate website? And and this might have been something that happened in person. Uh, As longtime listeners of WrestleNomics will remember, uh, every now and then George Berrios would would show up at one of these conferences, one of these tech and media conferences, and he would have this sit down with with an analyst who's usually an analyst who uh, covers the W stock. And, uh, they would have this, this discussion, usually it'd be a sort of PowerPoint presentation. Not that we got video of it, but he would go through a presentation of basically making the pitch on the company and on the stock. And then there would be some discussion in Q and a with, with the analyst. Uh, so that's not what this was. This was just an interview with a Shelly Zalis, I hope I'm saying that right. Who is the CEO of the female quotient, the female quotient. And I have Googled it, and I'm still not quite sure what it is. Uh, the, the female quotient describes itself as a female-owned business advancing equality in the workplace through the power of collaboration. We bring visibility to women, activate solutions for change, and create metrics for accountability. Anyway, Stephanie McMahon has been appearing, and, and, and other uh, W employees have been appearing on these video uh, Zoom, Zoom interviews and Zoom conferences that are uh, out there publicly and anyway there's one uh here with christina salen this is on youtube uh, the audio is in the wrestlenomics patreon feed and it's the most uh, most detailed look we've got uh yet to get to get to know christina salen the former etsy cf uh, cfo and and a former analyst at fidelity investments and major takeaways i got from this is uh Though she does on her LinkedIn, she is a, has an MBA in finance from the Columbia Business School. Uh, she is not a certified accountant. And there's a lot of discussion in this interview about, you know, I guess, what it's like to be a woman coming up in, into the uh, you know, higher ranks of, of corporate life uh, and how difficult that can be. Um, she also talks about how she was sold on accepting the job after talking to Stephanie McMahon, who was the, the second person, the first executive in WB, who she talked to. And Stephanie really sold her on the, on the job, on working with WB, when she laid out the vision of WB and how the brand has evolved over time. And that is interesting. I, I will only say that I have heard Stephanie give a public version of what it sounds like uh, she, uh, Salem is talking about. And I was not sold on, on Stephanie McMahon's. Uh, uh, version of how WWE has evolved over time uh, there's a lot of emphasis by Salem on her uh, her work with fidelity. I think just when we were talking a moment ago about how uh, Barris and Wilson overemphasized overprojected a big tech vision template onto wE sometimes I think a lot of these uh, high level corporate executives come into WWE and try to understand WB in terms of what their experience is or what their most recent job was. So uh, related to that, there's a lot of talk in here about uh, her work as an investment analyst and all the the really successful tech entrepreneurs who she's uh, worked with and learned from. And uh, she explains how she chose to go with WB to, to accept the job and become the CFO of WB. Just the way that she would think of how, whether or not she was going to invest in a stock. So it suggests, as one would hope, I suppose, some optimism about what WE can can become in terms of uh, gathering more shareholder value. Um, let's see. So I I wonder if we'll see WE take maybe a a more investor. Like approach in some ways, WWE has been investing in a number of companies for many years that we know of. Uh, they have an investment, most memorably to wrestling fans, they have an investment in Flow Sports, um, which was a big, which is a big thing to talk about and think about when Flow Sports was doing Flow Slam. Their, their wrestling short lived wrestling vertical. Um, WWE of course infamously has invested in Tout. but WWE has also invested in other companies like Funware and DraftKings i think there may be an opportunity the biggest opportunity that i could fathom for growth for w to invest in might be something in the in the gaming field the gaming industry seems like an industry that has a lot of potential for growth in the medium term future Uh, and w has a lot of valuable ip in that area and uh maybe there's some way w can leverage the valuable ip it has and uh Make a wise investment that helps them grow uh, shareholder value. For my uh, fact check moment, she says that W was the only media company that didn't stop production due to to the pandemic. Uh, Perhaps she has not been briefed on all elite wrestling yet. Uh, WWE and AEW have delivered taped programming since the pandemic began, but neither has missed uh, delivery on an episode of their weekly shows. And as I look through the transcript here, just to run through of things that I highlighted, uh, talking about how she spent the last 10 years or so of her career at Fidelity Investments, uh, learning from tech media and tech, uh, or excuse me, running their uh, Fidelity's tech media and tech telco research team. Uh, She puts over Will Danoff at Fidelity as one of the greatest investors who's not well known in investing circles. Or maybe he is well-known in investing circles, but he's not well-known generally. Will Danoff, according to his Wikipedia, is a vice president and portfolio manager for Fidelity Contra Fund since 1990. At $129 billion, Contra Fund is the largest actively managed stock or bond mutual fund run by one person. So there's that. That's clearly someone she uh, looks up to and worked with at Fidelity. Uh, She uses the term professional wrestling uh, although she does later use the term sports entertainment, uh, she mention, mentions how WWE Raw had its 28th year anniversary just recently and that 800 million people globally tune in to WWE. And I have no idea what tune in means in that phrase. Maybe that's that's got to be a, across digital views and, and things of that nature. Um, already busting out the, you know, Raw has been on the air, that's longer than, that's well, well, it's weekly, so it's not longer in years than The Simpsons. The Simpsons is just still on and has been on since 1990. But uh, it's the longest-running show on television, weekly, longer than The Simpsons, longer than Lassie, she says. And that's more episodes than Monday Night Football. And she talks about how uh, Stephanie really sold her on what W.E. was all about. Uh mm-hmm. And she mentions how she's not an accountant. She doesn't even try to pretend that she's an accountant. And she doesn't have the typical resume that most CFOs have. I I believe most CFOs are certified uh, public accountants, uh, including Berrios. And there's some talking here about how when she applies, she's applied for a lot of jobs and she ended up being the number two pick. So she was just short of being hired for the job because, according to her, the... A prospective employer said that you know she's really great and talented and she would be great for their culture but that she's not a typical accountant and there's some metaphor in here about or symbolism about what what a navy blue pantsuit means which i did not understand and i reached out to the consultants here at Russellomics headquarters, and I and I was told that maybe this means that what she's saying is that there's a typical stereotype about who an accountant is and what an accountant is like, and that they they're kind of a nerdy person with a bow tie and, and pocket protector, but she doesn't uh, fit that mold. So this is an interesting listen. Uh, again, the an automated transcript is on the Russellomics Patreon as well. With an automated- Ago, like literally, the sun
0: just moved. Um, hold on one second, we're not live, are we? Yes, we, yes, are. we
1: are. Hi, everybody,
0: just tilt the camera up a little bit. Yeah, we'll get there. And we are so excited to hear about your journey, how you pivoted from technology to entertainment. So I would love to welcome you. So welcome. Will you tell everyone who you are, what you do, and how you, uh, what that moment was, that pivot moment from, you know, going from the technology sector to the entertainment sector. You're on mute. You're on mute. Sorry.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Um, I was muted. Sorry. Um, Thanks for joining. Sorry for all the technical difficulties. And I know some of you can't see me. I'm not really sure what to do about that. Um,
0: I tested it previously, and I can be seen. So we'll just try and see. Sorry, not sorry, not sorry, sorry. Say again. Sorry, not sorry, not sorry. Um, but, uh, yes, so I'm Christina Salen. I'm the CFO of WWE. I've only been in
1: the seat six months. Uh, so not too long at all. Um, uh, and it's my first job at, um, a entertainment company. And then from there uh, on Wednesday, W put out a press release, uh, Dateline, Mumbai, India, and Stanford, Connecticut. Uh, The WWE Superstar Spectacular spectacle. It's not the... I've been saying the Superstar Spectacular all this time. It's the Superstar Spectacle. An unprecedented two-hour television special event for India. Featuring WWE's India performers. Alongside superstars from SmackDown, Raw, NXT. Uh, It will premiere exclusively. So maybe not... On the W Network exclusively on Sony Ten One, Sony Ten Three, and Sony Max on India's Republic Day, Tuesday, January twenty sixth, at eight p.m. India time. If by chance it's is available live anywhere else, that would be at three or at nine thirty a.m. Eastern U.S. time. With commentary available in both English and Hindi, which I think is, is normal for for India broadcasts uh, for W.E. They are. They are on one of the Sony 10 channels in English and one of the Sony 10 ch- channels in Hindi. The unique showcase of Indian-inspired action will emanate from the state-of-the-art WWE Thunderdome and incorporate stunning elements of traditional and contemporary Indian culture among epic matches featuring WWE champion Drew McIntyre and WWE superstars including Rey Mysterio, Charlotte Flair, is all rights reserved, uh, symbols next to all these names uh aj styles bailey the new day shinsuke nakamura with a all rights reserved symbol behind beside his name cesaro Dolph ziggler robert rude and italia ricochet and many more plus an appearance of wwe hall of famer rick flair and there's a quote from triple h and from uh rajesh Kool, who is the chief revenue officer Of distribution and head of the sports business Sony Pictures Networks, India. We're excited about presenting WWE Superstar Spectacle to WWE fans and viewers in India on Republic Day, which will showcase. Yeah, it's it's kind of just a a reiteration of what the press release had already said. Uh, But also, Indian talent or talent of Indian descent advertised to be on the show include Jinder Mahal, the Bollywood boys, uh, Samir and Sunil. The first all-Indian tag team in WWE, Indus Sheer, and featuring Rinku and Sar- Sarav, and NXT superstar Jeet Rama, Kavita Devi, the first Indian woman to sign a WWE contract, and the great Kali's trainees, Giant Zanjir, who's seven foot two, three hundred and forty pounds, and Dilshir Shanky, seven feet, three hundred and ten pounds, Guru Raj, the first Indian-born high flyer in WWE first newborn high flyer okay the arrival of W superstar spectacle comes at a time when W's popularity in India continues to increase um, W is one of the most watched properties in India and D- India ranks number one for WEs in YouTube consumption and number one in WE Facebook followers in addition and then th- those those statements align uh, the YouTube and Facebook statements uh, align with Things we've heard in the past from George Barrios and perhaps in, in earnings calls about how India is is their biggest uh, contributor to their digital activity, uh, whether or not Dewey's popularity in, in India is on the increase. Uh, we'll investigate in a moment. In addition, WWE has actively has been actively recruiting elite athletes and performers from the country. In 2019, WWE hosted its largest trial in history, where more than 70 top athletes from India showcased their abilities in Mumbai, and four Indian recruits were selected to train at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. So, is WWE's popularity in India on the rise, as the press release says? Well. We don't get television viewership. There are some rankings uh, that I've seen as far as uh, WWE programming appears on it sometimes, but not always. I think there's some, the the top most viewed sports programs in India and and cricket is often leading the list. Sometimes WWE is on there as well, but I don't have any sort of context to put that in in terms of, are they ranking highly more or less often than in earlier years? But we do have Google Web Search to look at, and uh, we do have YouTube search data to look at through Google Trends, and we can isolate that by the country of India. So I took another look at that this week, and what I see is Google Web Search is in India at an all-time low for WWE, for the, the topic, WWE, Google Web Search in 2020, was at its lowest point of any other year prior Uh, When I do a a, a look at Google web search related to the topic, Roman Reigns in the country of India, uh, searches for Roman Reigns are at their lowest point since Reigns debuted in 2014. So it's higher than it was for his 2014 year when he was with the Shield, but lower than any year prior. Uh, Granted, Roman Reigns was out of WWE for a number of months during the pandemic. So let's look at RAW. RAW. Searches for the, the w RAW topic in India at an all-time low in 2020. Okay, but what about SmackDown? SmackDown uh, at an all-time low in India in 2020. And, and this is a trend, too, by the way. It's, uh, you know, it, it starts to, it looks like we have a peak in 2016. And then all of these metrics fall year after year after that. But what about YouTube search for WWE? Very similar. For Roman Reigns, similar. For Raw, similar. And for SmackDown, similar. So I don't know what other data there might be out there to look at to consider the popularity of WWE in India. But uh, looking at Google Web Search, which I think is a proxy for Mindshare, it, it is a proxy for how much people are thinking about a given topic in, in over time and across various regions. Uh, I don't see growth in, in those categories for, for India in Google web search or for YouTube search uh, if if WE is the the leader or if, excuse me if India is the leader in YouTube consumption related to WB which I, I don't doubt is the case uh, that consumption doesn't appear to be growing if YouTube searches are any indication by the way all this information today uh, you can be Following along with the WrestleNomics Notebook, which is on Patreon.com slash D- Did a notebook this week. I don't know that I will do it every single week. But that is up there for subscribers, patrons, whatever I should, should call my uh, generous supporters who make WrestleNomics possible. And in other news, finally, WWE has announced the date that it will do its next earnings report. This will be the earnings report for Q4 the period of October, November, and December. And it will be, in sum, a report of the entire year of 2020. That's on February 4th, a Thursday. Documents probably dropping around 4 p.m. or 4.30 p.m. with a conference call at 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the press release notes that, once again, the company's CEO and Chairman, Vincent K. McMahon, President and Chief Revenue Officer, Nick Kahn, Chief Brand Officer, Stephanie McMahon, and Chief Financial Officer Christina Salen will host a conference call that is, again, beginning at 5 p.m. on February 4th. What to expect from this report? Well, in November, I've already written an estimate for what I expect, but just to review, uh, I'm, I'm expecting WWE to report a total of, around my estimate, of $162 million for the year in net income. That would uh, be an all-time record. In fact, they have already set the record. So unless they have a huge negative number, uh, a, a hugely unprofitable Q4, this will be officially the most uh, profitable year ever in the company's history. Adjusted for inflation, more profitable than the most profitable year of the Attitude Era. But I'm expecting another profitable quarter for Q4, estimating 434 million dollars that 's a eighty or excuse me that 's a fifty two cent earnings per share ratio uh, and revenue expecting just short of one billion dollars nine hundred and ninety seven million is my estimate uh, that will be an all time record for a year as well, even adjusted for inflation so uh, adjusted oEDA if you are a uh, Connoisseur of various profit metrics like WWE is adjusted to, to $307 million, I'm predicting, for the full year of 2020. Uh, no question on that day, uh, throughout Thursday, I'm sure I will be covering it uh, on Twitter, at Brandon Thurston, and on com. I'll probably do a, a, another uh, live report there as well. So you can follow along, and uh, I'm sure there will be a podcast of some sort to accompany that. Uh, I also did this past Thursday a a bit of a live stream as I continue to experiment with Twitch and with a green screen that is behind me as I sit here and record this right now. I am uh, standing like a meteorologist and looking at various graphs, charts, tables, facts, and figures. I, I did that on Thursday talking about uh, television viewership. Uh, I might do that regularly in the future uh, this week. I will probably do something like that. Again, I'm just not sure if Martin Luther King Day is going to uh, mean there's going to be a delay of one day in the viewership. So I'm, I don't want to say, I, I don't want to promise to do something on Thursday if the, the uh, data uh, for the Wednesday viewership is not out yet. But uh, I don't know. I'll tweet it. You can stay tuned there. I continue to work daily on the Pro Wrestling Industry Report full year of 2020. Uh, things I was working on this week included. I did the social media graphs this week. I did the Google web search graph, a new section in the report this year, Google web search, not just for companies that's in there too, but Google web search for wrestlers. Who are the most, most searched for wrestlers in, I'm just going to cover three companies, the, the, the most popular three uh, globally, WWE, AEW and New Japan Pro wrestling. Um, I will, I will tell you who the most popular ones are now. So aggregators, keep your ears tuned. Uh, WB, on, on average, who had the most searches throughout the year. This is a monthly average for the entire year of 2020. For w, everybody in WB, basically, uh, not, not everybody, but the top people in WB blow away the top people in any of the, any of the other companies. right? So anyway, number one, John Cena. Number two, should be doing this in reverse order. Let's do the top five. Okay. Number five, Brock Lesnar. Number four, Ronda Rousey. Number three, Roman Reigns. Number two, The Undertaker. And number one, John Cena. So out of that top five, um, only one of those is a full-time wrestler. And not even he wrestled <laughs> the entire year of 2020. He had a, a long in, inactive period, uh, as for AEW, the top five, the top five most searched for wrestlers who wrestle for AEW number five, Cody Rhodes. Number four, Matt Hardy. Number three, Miro. Number two, Chris Jericho. And number one, John Moxley. Um, so you can see how the uh, it's dominated. The, the top f- five, in fact, are dominated by people who have been in WWE for a number of years um, so New Japan Pro Wrestling who do you think the most searched for this is globally, not just in Japan but globally um, I, I, I haven't looked but I expect there's a high correlation between uh, who's who's leading globally and who's leading domestically in Japan But so for New Japan, number 5 the 5th most searched for wrestler in New Japan is Kenta, a, a, another former WWE person Number four, Jushin Thunder Liger, of course, had a big retirement. Huge amount of search activity for him around Wrestle Kingdom, which is when he retired last year. Number three, Kazuchika Okada. Kazuchika? Uh, Kazuchika Okada. Number two, Tetsuya Naito. And number one, still, Hiroshi Tanahashi. So there's that. Uh, I I also have been doing a count of wrestlers with more matches than ten, so we can get an idea of Not necessarily how many wrestlers are signed within each company, but how many wrestlers are being used substantially by each company. Uh, All that detail. Hopefully i will have that done at the end of the month. Uh, Again, all patrons who are supporting at $5 a month will get this PDF, which is currently at uh, over 40 pages. Uh, We'll get the PDF, the full year 2020 report on the pro wrestling industry. You will get that PDF as part of your monthly support. We'll have an original survey about net promoter score in there, which I will talk about in depth uh, in the weeks to come. But that's about all I have for this week. I have been using the WrestleNomics Switch uh, not only for talking about wrestling business and using visual aids to uh, talk about the wrestling business and the trends of the wrestling business, but I've been using it to play Super Techno Bowl, which I defeated the Browns in advance of the Bills versus Ravens game. I used the Buffalo Bills, including wrestling, or excuse me, including football superstars like QB Bills, to shut out the Cleveland Browns. This is the 1991 Cleveland Browns. Some years before Art Modell moved them to Baltimore to become the Ravens. So we will see what, what happens uh, later today. It hasn't happened yet, has it? The Chiefs and Browns are playing in the divisional playoff game today to see who goes on the AFC. Oh, it is. It's in the third quarter as I record this right now. The Chiefs leading. But we'll see who will play the Buffalo Bills next week in the AFC. And then from there, the winner will go on to the pop culture extravaganza in Miami, the Super Bowl. But that's all I have. You can, again, support at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. You can check out the Twitch account, twitch.tv slash WrestleNomics. You can follow WrestleNomics on Twitter, At Russell Mops, you can follow me on Twitter, at Brandon Thurston. My Brandon Thurston and I will talk to you next time.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently.